Welcome to The Fader Interview. I'm Alex Robert Ross, Editorial Director of The Fader. It's always been difficult to tell where reality ends and the cartoon world begins with gorillas. The band's four animated members, blue-haired lead singer 2D, Satan-worshipping bassist Murdoch, zen-minded guitarist Noodle, and intermittently possessed drummer Russell Hobbs, give their own interviews, produce weird podcasts, and appear on stage as larger-than-life projections. There's a deep and proudly absurd lore around the band, one that's impossible to summarize in a reasonably-sized book, much less a podcast introduction. If the band's real-life founders, Blur frontman Damon Alban and graphic artist Jamie Hewler, are ever in the spotlight, they're at least sharing it with their creations. That's allowed Alban in particular a much-needed measure of freedom. A quarter century ago, when he and Hewlett formed the band in their West London apartment, Blur still came with expectations, pressures, unwelcome critical attentions that Alban couldn't shake. Gorillaz initially created a diversion, allowing him to experiment with hip-hop and dub, funk and afrobeat, punk and electropop. As the project grew, he started collaborating more, bringing in De La Soul, MF Doom, Lou Reed, Marky Smith, 2020's sprawling Song Machine project had at least one collaborator on every song, and the sounds and ideas were even more varied than the names on the tracklist. Maybe the cartoon world made the real world a bit more vivid. Gorillaz's eighth studio album, Cracker Island, is a more focused affair. There are huge names here, Thundercat, Stevie Nicks, Bad Bunny, but only a handful. The official lore around it involves the band moving to Los Angeles, where Murdoch tries to set himself up as a cult leader, partly because he's obsessed with the cult next door, which his bandmate 2D has enthusiastically signed up to. But beneath the farce, Cracker Island is about the internet age, about confected realities and the egotists who push them, the rubble of misinformation. It's the cartoon world trying to make sense of the real world and occasionally coming up without answers. As Alban explained when I spoke to him yesterday, it's an idea that's been simmering beneath gorillas since the beginning. There's a lot to dig into on this record and a lot to dig into over the last few years, I guess. I wanted to start with Song Machine, which obviously is this like sprawling project packed with collaborators. I mean, it sort of somehow made sense as an album, but it was, certainly wasn't made as an album. It was just like, uh, we just kept going on, you know, during lockdown. It's like, can we, can we somehow put a song out a month? That was the sort of vibe, you know? And we're stopped when either we can't do it anymore or something else happens, you know? So that's how we did it. And then we just sort of put it, we put them all together in the end. But I mean, no, this record's got actually got a narrative. It's a totally different thing. But you started it thinking that it might be another song machine, right? I don't know if I did really. No. Once I started this, it was like, no, I'm doing this in LA and it's going to sound like this. It's a different thing. Song Machine is a different thing. And I mean, this is the, this is the beauty of Gorillaz. It's, it's, it's that really, we can sort of make it up as we go along and we do. <laughs> so when did you know that you, that you had that sort of narrative, that you, that you had a through line here that you wanted to dig into? Properly. Well, it's just sort of how do I feel about LA? How do I feel about the world at the moment? And how can I somehow put that through my own emotional cipher? It's a sort of 
blueprint for 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 making a record somewhere, you know, for it having a kind of geography. And Gorillaz is all about geography in a sense because we have this we have this metaverse. And we've had it for a long time, you know. So it's it's accumulated a lot of space in it. The psychogeography is quite huge, you know. You can travel around to different eras and different parts of the universe or the world or the island, indeed. On Cracker Island, it was born to the collective of the dawn. They were planting seeds at night. Your attitude towards LA seems to have developed. Uh, it's softened. Yes, that's the word for it. Yeah. Softened hugely. I used to. I used to. I used to really kind of actively not enjoying myself like quite deliberately i'm not going to enjoy myself here uh, and then suddenly i sort of realized that it was a very creative place and full of men full of so many possibilities that you sort of you get lost in it you know and that's how i sort of chose to sort of approach making the record there was an intentional part of you that that went into la not wanting to enjoy it was it just that sort of no, 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 no. That's been the case for like the last 30 years because I always used to arrive either by plane and get driven in a car to Sunset Boulevard or I'd arrive on a bus onto Sunset Boulevard. And then I wouldn't really leave other than where we went, where we were playing until I left Los Angeles. And I didn't drive then. So I'd, I was kind of trapped there, you know, and after a while, same view isn't it you know you get you get a bit uh yeah i just didn't feel like i knew la or and so yeah i i i feel i know it a lot better obviously i don't know it completely but it fascinates me and i do find it a very inspiring place now see what i find fascinating about this this changing relationship with la is that through the the prism of, of cracker island when you go to la and you really you sort of get it for the first time, or you get that positive thing for the first time, it's easy to become a bit of an evangelist for it. But that's not what Cracker Island does. It, it delves into a slight, I mean, with, with a sense of humor, but into a slightly darker side of it, into this sort of Los Angeles occult. I mean, did you read up around like Los Angeles occult history and stuff? Like, how did you dive into that side of it? Well, I can feel it. There's certain properties I've been to while I've been there that are very clearly cultish and I have been occupied by communities of people who have become very sort of you know self-absorbed self-absorption is a is an interesting way of putting it I mean that's sort of what happens to to Murdoch to some extent in the in the law around this record well I mean he's uh, he's like traversing the northern hemisphere and this as a specter of Rasputin you know he's really taken the cool kool-aid to heart once you you know believe in power of the Kool-Aid, you want to share it with everyone, don't you? <laughs> Beware the Kool-Aid. Have you heard of a guy called Jack Parsons? A bit of a detour. Uh, no. He's a Los Angeles figure who I actually only found out about very recently. He's the inventor of rocket fuel. And he was also a disciple of Alistair Crowley's. Right. Yes, yes. Well, I know all about Crowley because 
you know, I, st I studied quite extensively the occult when I was doing Dr. D at the English National Opera. I was going to ask you about that. Dr. D was the, the first parallel that I thought of listening to, to Cracker Island. Was it similar things that inspired both of these? Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I went much more into depth there. This is a different sort of thing, but, you know, it's sort of, I suppose I tuned into those things back then. I mean, I, I think I've always been quite a devout pagan anyway. What, I mean, it's interesting hearing you say it's the sort of self-absorption of certain cult leaders in some way, because th th that's what it manifests as. Is that what's drawn you to it? Because obviously in the context of Cracker Island, there's a commentary about like, the internet age and about where we're living right now. But th this has gone back sort of really a long way before talking about anything like QAnon or the alt-right or anything. Yes, but, but they're all connected, aren't they? You know, uh, the whole idea of a secret society is, <clears throat> goes, goes a very long way back. It goes right back to the dawn of mankind, the necessity to try and find meaning in the vastness of life, you know? I've heard you refer to it, at least on, on this record, like what Cracker Run and Talk is. You refer to it as people living in realities that they confect themselves and that people don't want to explore outside of it. Yes, and, and, and I suppose, you know, the, the island thing is that everyone gravitates to the island where their ideas are understood. Personally, I'm not really on my way to Cracker Island. In fact, you could say my, uh, my ferry is heading the other way. <laughs> this is an interesting thing about the Gorillas Project though, right? There's no similarities between this just because it's a fiction and the, what is happening say on these sort of these islands that you're talking about are also fictions but gorillas are using and have been using for a long time for a lot longer than most other cultural artifacts have been using the internet and have been using these spaces these spaces where people can come together on the internet find like-minded people um oh yeah completely i mean we sort of by by virtue of when we started we were right at the beginning of the whole internet uh age i mean i think we we had the first virtual world for a band or something i don't know we, <clears throat> you see you see i'm i've always been very vague about things like this and for me it was just i don't know i i felt for the sort of the kind of dystopian aspect of of gorillas comes out of it being a frankenstein i'd never really considered dystopian aspect i think we set our, our stall really with demon days and then Plastic Beach, obviously, was another big kind of sort of idea. And maybe this, you know, is, is the next big idea, really, that we've had. So it's been quite a while. I mean, we've put records out in between, but maybe this is, you know, more connected with those albums than the ones in the interim. And that's okay. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't always have to be doing uh, the same thing or the I'm kind of relaxed about it. I, I just like making music and it's sort of, when it comes, it comes, you know, you don't need to chase it. It's far too elusive to ever think you can actually catch it. It catches you, you know. It feels like I've been sad and running through the infinite pages I scroll out searching
was caught you in quite a profound way on this record because another thing about Song Machine, of course, is that sort of exploding with collaborators. Very few songs even have just one. I think everything, like there's just constantly voices coming in. And even when you do have collaborators here and, and huge collaborators, you've got Stevie Nicks and Beck, and both of them basically sing backup. You really, this feels like a, a, a Gorillaz record. Like this, this feels very pared down in comparison to that, to the song machine. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, Bad Bunny's given complete. That is true. Maybe that's just the nature of uh, of collaboration. You know, I find that myself sometimes. You know, I don't really have to do too much on somebody else's thing for you, for me to be there. You know what I mean? And then sometimes it's entirely on on you. You know, so I think it's just being part, being in the room, sharing that joy, and you know, embracing the spirit the spirit of collaboration with music as your sort of instrument to travel with. You know, obviously with Bad Bunny in particular, you you were in the room with him having this sort of quite incredible experience. You were in Jamaica, there's a big storm, right? And that that informs the song, I believe, yeah. As, as you say, there is a big idea here. The, the way that you're pitching is sort of like maybe the third big idea that Gorillaz have had on like on a record. I think, I think you know, it's 20 years of living within the, the, the internet. And, you know, this is a sort of, it's a reflection on, 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 on how we metamorphosize as people, us personally and broad, more, more broadly speaking. How much of that do you share and discuss with outside collaborators? How, how do, do you sit down and talk about that stuff even casually with say Bad Bunny or, or even Stevie Nicks before you, before you record? Uh, sometimes when we were working with the idea of plastic, we had a, a long discussion with Lou Reed. In fact, you know his his repost was in the in in the song. It's like he explains what it is what it is that he likes about plastic. He's embracing it. You know that that helps you to sort of traverse generations, I suppose, as well. I mean, even just here, you've got you know the the, the vast space between sort of Stevie Nicks and Bad Bunny, and and then you know especially with an album about the internet. But I mean, they do share something in common. You know, being very, very, very popular. How do you think the popularity affects it? What do you think that that, how do you think that that informs? I don't know. I've never experienced their level of popularity, so I wouldn't know. Uh, but, you know, it's nice to be an observer. Do you really not think you have? No. I mean, I don't, I'm not really, I just, it's not quantifiable like that, is it? The ideas may be a, a strong, but you know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I've never been a pop artist. No, not that really, uh, Fleetwood Mac were ever pop, really. So, and Bad Bunny, I mean, he's not pop. Pop has come to him, you know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I don't feel like he's a pop artist. He's like, he's more of a phenomena in pop because you know, he can write, he can sing. He's got very good business acumen. He's very cool, interesting outlook, you know, from a small place, not you know, from the mainstream at all. And an amazing, amazing totem for Latin American sensibility and culture around the world. Which in my books is, 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 is a very positive place to be. You know?
It's interesting hearing you say that you're not a pop artist. I mean, I, I see what you mean. It doesn't quite exist within pop in the sense that, and I, I get it from the, from the point of view that when Blur came out, the manufactured pop was much more of a, it was more obvious. It was more, and people were more afraid of it, perhaps for the better, that there was like, there was the idea of a manufactured band. Well, yeah, but well, because kind of at that point, you, it was very obvious when you weren't kind of involved in the music making. And that didn't matter if, 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 if the end result had that joy in it, you know what I mean? I don't suppose it really matters actually how it's made, it's the outcome. But I suppose, yeah, if you were in a band, you always thought, well, do they play their own instruments? You know what I mean? There was a, it's just inevitable, isn't it? Especially when you're young, it's like, well, I can do this. Can you do that? You know. But now, because, because everything essentially can be made on a computer, people are, are not so much discerning about how, how it's generated, you know, to the point where they're, we're allowing AI generation in music to seep in you know in, in quite an alarming way and that's why the kind of the truth and being auto-tuned is such a, a theme really in relation to music uh but but but, but more broadly speaking uh we're becoming synthesized you know in 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 that sense we, we are we are metamorphizing this is what I've really, what I've been drawn to about Gorillaz, which is that like, originally, I, I rewatched that mockumentary you guys made like early on with Krishna Guru Murphy doing the, which is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I was wearing in there. I sort of thought it was a good idea to wear, I don't know what it was. Anyway, it was, the whole thing was really strange, especially Remy dressed as uh, a Georgian in, in the broom cupboard. That bit's almost upsetting, I would say. That bit is a bit weird. It is upsetting, yeah. but, you know, that's the kind of... We were like that back then. We are quite strange people, really. Fun, but a bit odd. But there's an interesting conceit behind it. It, 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 it was fun, but there's also a lot to... You have one line there, which the, everything there is kind of a bit of a sort of red herring, but you say the delivery of misinformation is as valuable as the delivery of information. It's very sort of postmodern attitude, I guess. Prescient. Yes, well, yeah, quite. Yeah. It could be a lyric from this album, couldn't it? Yes, it could. That's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of some sort of weird, weird kind of sort of reflection on the beginnings of and how that we've transformed. The way that it's put across there is that you, even the, the closing shot of that of that documentary where where you're both sitting in the jeep and then it it, it pans out and you're very clearly on a on a set. The whole idea of this is that like, okay, well, if pop music is going to be manufactured bands, like I'll give you the most manufactured band you can get. Yeah, that was the idea. That was, that was the idea. But inherently, the major concern behind the band from, from you and the way that you're talking now, it, it remains true that like, it's really about the human connection of the music making behind it. It's a more authentic thing than any of the, the, the fake bands fronted by real humans. Yeah, of course. But well, just by... But no, I mean, and that comes back to what is music? Well, music is something that, you know, was kind of a gift to Homo sapiens and a way to just carry them far, far places in their imagination, and communicate with things that were invisible. And, you know, it's just been used for so many different transportations. It's, it is uh, 
transcendental when applied properly. And, and true music is because it's there, and say it's free for everyone because it clearly isn't. Um, but it is in a way, you know what I mean? It is. You can, you, you can hear all music for free if you want to find it. I don't, I don't recommend you doing that, obviously not when it comes to this new album. <laughs> no. I mean, if you, if you, I mean, fine if you do, but I'm just saying I don't recommend it. Some of these, these ideas the gorillas were ahead of the curve with, even the notion of having you standing behind a screen early on and your characters being the, the live performers, and now you have this sort of ersatz reflection of that in holograms for example like live holograms which you were really doing a long time before everybody else with with the sort of there was an authentic idea behind it and now it feels like this sort of tawdry recreation of that all of these ideas that you have does it feel strange to now see them <laughs> reflected back at you mainstream yeah but mainstream and also just sort of grubby why are people doing it they're doing it because i don't know you, i think you've got to have you've got to know why you want to have a hologram you've got to own that hologram <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Not just have one. Just because you got one doesn't mean shit. Don't be sad. The two closing songs here, I think are quite quite poignant, really. There are a couple of moments. One in particular is um, Skinny Ape. The way that I infer it is, is that that's sort of 2D speaking from inside the machine. It's quite scary. I don't know. It's sort of grappling with mortality or lack of aliveness. It's a bit strange. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, I say uh, I've got bones. I've got jaded legs, not the kind that will win a race anytime. You know, it's, it's a kind. Of, it is. I mean, that. But it's also that sort of mad juxtaposition of the Amazon robots traveling down streets and going past homeless people. You know, totally impassive and such a different kind of sort of vision of the future. Those two things. You know, and so in Skinny Ape, kind of. The, the ape is, is, is the human being and they sort of get up at the end and just, I don't know, get the robot and run away with it and live happily ever after. You close the album with, I, I think it's fair to say, like quite a, an optimistic sentiment, this, this notion of, you know, we're all in this together till the end. Yeah, I think so. Well, it's, 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 like, it's, it's like most of my kind of stuff is kind of can be taken both ways. Do you feel optimistic? Me? Um about i mean which part of the mess well i suppose about the part of the mess that cracker island tries to grapple with uh well you see that i mean yeah it's like that that is definitely a big problem is the you know the fakeness but kind of you know that fakeness is also very real so what does that mean no, it's, it's, it's kind of, why is that? Why is something so fake, so real in our lives? You know, the, the lies about lies, 
Allahis. <laughs> this feels like something that you could have uh, also dropped into the that documentary. Like that that feels very delivery of misinformation. This is valuable as delivery of information. Yes, I suppose I suppose it is. I mean, you know, get a good idea, flog it to death. <laughs> That was Damon Albarn in conversation with The Fader. Gorillaz' new album, Cracker Island, is out this Friday, February 24, via Parlophone and Warner Records. The Fader interview is engineered by Tony Giambroni. The executive producer is Alex Robert Ross, and the associate producer is Raphael Helfand. We'd like to thank Lauten Audio for providing our microphones. You can find them online at lautenaudio.com. And we'd like to thank James Ivey for providing our intro music. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate if you left a five-star rating and review. If you like listening to The Fader, good news. We're now on the live radio app, Amp. Download it from the App Store now. And keep an eye on thefader.com for essential music news, interviews, and essays. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Fader Interview. Goodbye until then. <laughs>